This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Seahawks training camp opens today. Our coverage presented by Precore Home Fitness. We're going to be talking to Tyler Lockett a half hour from now. It's going to be the start of our training camp coverage. Jake and Stacy, I believe, are out at the Seahawks headquarters, as well as Wyman and Bob, for the rest of our coverage today as they take part in the first practice. We got Michael Bumpus, who joins us now for Blue 42. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Bump. How are you now? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. Fresh off a 2 a.m. flight. Back in the Northwest, baby. I was going to say, and I said this during the break, there's nothing worse than being on a flight that takes off or lands. Like after midnight, like it's just brutal, just brutal on your body. There is something worse. It's the hybrid Taco Bell Pizza Hut. <laughs> what thing is the, an abom- It's an abomination. It's an abomination. The, it's a pox upon society. The the Taco Bell KFC too. They have those as well. Yeah, just as bad. the t- <laughs> The Pizza Hut Taco Bell is specifically worse though, because I worry that they're using the same red sauce. <laughs> the salsa, the salsa is the salsa is the, the same as the marinara. <laughs> I won't eat in them. Like, oh, it freaks me out. Like, it really freaks. Like, I'm like, those two things are not meant to go together. I'm very proud of having eaten at Taco Bell only once in my life. What? Yep. Taco Bell's phenomenal. Yeah, sure. number one fast food joint. Mm, yeah, sure. Number one, not you, even close. You didn't find yourself there after a night in college, you know, where you might have been doing some extracurricular activities. I went and out you of didn't my way. Up there, went out of You've my way to only, avoid it. Dude, once. I drove. To I had no choice. You, I would drive to Factoria to get to Taco Bell. No, I'd only do that for Chick Fil A. That's it, and I do that often. But no, bump, I, no. Bump, bump. You're from Southern California, so you have you you, you have. I respect your food opinions, unlike Paul. <laughs> is 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 Taco is Taco Bell good fast food? Taco Bell, I try to stay away from fast food, but Taco Bell's like number one, number two, for sure. Upper tier, that's right, yeah. Bump. Oh, wow, just that you're even putting it on the same level as Chick Fil A is a insult and a tragedy. But that's your <laughs> taste buds that are at a loss, not mine. Uh, question number one, Bump. Obviously, a big. 48 hours for the Seattle Mariners, who have that amazing victory on Monday night. And then yesterday afternoon, we find out that Kendall Graveman, their stud reliever this year, had been traded to the Houston Astros, who they were going to play that night, which I imagine added a little bit extra. You've been a player. And it's a little different, obviously, in the NFL, because it seems like it's a lot more cutthroat. But how important is the relationship between roster builders, not necessarily talking about coaches and players? Honestly, I don't think it's that important. It's not because you are being paid to do a job, right? If you can do a job really well, you'll get paid and they will keep you there as long as you're doing your job. But as soon as you fall off, they will cut you. Even if they love you, even if they've had you over to the house for dinner and you've gone on vacations or whatever kind of relationship you have, as soon as you're done, you're not doing your job well, they will cut you. So I don't think it's that important because it, it comes down to it's just business. It's not personal. 
Right, my my high school coach used to say that all the time. Like, look, I'm not gonna play you uh, because you're just not getting it done. It's not business. I mean, it's not personal. It's business. So I don't think it's that important. Uh, can you provide a service? Are you still elite at that service? If not, they will get rid of you quickly, even if they love you. What happens in a clubhouse when guys get mad or in a locker room? Because I, I've I've always seen this. Nobody's gonna be happy when a guy they like gets shipped out. And sometimes they'll take that, hey, it's a business. And anytime somebody in pro sports says it's a business, it means somebody's getting the screws put to them. Like, just, you just have to listen for the howling because somebody's, somebody's getting worked over. And then there are times when people are like, these dudes don't care. And there's like actual anger and fury. And it sounds like that might be what's happening in the Mariners clubhouse right now with this trade specifically. Yeah, and that's that's what's so unfortunate because everything we've heard about the Mariners, right, has been that they love each other, the camaraderie is great, the, the clubhouse is cool. So when something like this happens and the players are speaking out, um, they just felt like it, it shouldn't have gone down. And I think in the Mariners clubhouse, well, just in any any clubhouse, we, when it comes to sports, you have a team whose players are not happy with the move. Um, I think it, it lingers for a few days. But after that, you have to move on, especially in baseball. You play too many games to let one move kind of jack up everything you have going on. They're going to feel it. They're not going to be happy for a few days, but you got to move on, especially if you're in the hunt. These guys are in the wild card hunt right now. Are they going to make the playoffs? We'll see. I don't know. But they're in the hunt right now, so they have to move on. Uh, it's going to be a tough few days in the, in the clubhouse, though. All right, question two. I'm going to give you three veterans, Bump. All, right. all three are, I would say, bedrock pieces of this Seahawks team. All three want extensions. Quandre Diggs, Dwayne Brown, Jamal Adams. I'm not giving you in the order of importance or anything other than that's just how they came off the tip of my tongue. Which of those three situations are you most concerned about being a long-term problem? Which do you think is the most straightforward to solve? Most straightforward to solve is Jamal Adams. You yep. know you have to get that done. There's no one in that organization that says, ah, oh, we can do without this guy. I, I think we'll be fine. No. The one that concerns me the most is Dwayne Brown because he's he's in such a weird place. He's 36. I think I believe he'll be 37 soon. He's important to that offensive line, but he's just getting older. And you're like, okay, how much longer is he going to hold up? The guy who's kind of floating in the in outer space is Diggs because you're like, okay, he's a pro bowler. He, he does – cause turnovers but they can probably be without him do without him and be fine it's not a knock on him i think he's a great football player i think he needs to be on this team but when you line those three up it goes jamal brown then Diggs. um but brown that's a russell move if you do mm-hmm. not sign brown if you do not bring this dude back if you don't make him feel like he's wanted i i Firmly believe that's going to affect Russell Wilson's outlook on the next season. It's all about making Russ happy right now. And I'm, I'm going to say that. Everyone knows I'm pro player. I'm pro player. Yes, I am. I used, I used to play ball. I am pro player. And if your quarterback is not happy, he's going to be gone. And if you don't sign Dwayne Brown, you don't make that right, I think there's a chance that Russ ain't here. But you never know. Russ changes his mind. We'll see what happens with him. Sit out, Russ. Then I'll actually, you know, be scared of that. Danny, what do you, what, rank, the, rank those three for me, Paul. There, there's three guys. They all, they all want extensions. Jamal mm-hmm. Adams, Dwayne Brown, Quandre Diggs. What's the what's the most straightforward to solve? What's the most what's what's the most uncertain? 
The most uncertain is, I think, Dwayne Brown, just because, first off, you have no options. But at the same time, you don't know what he's going to be past this season. So that's one of those ones where you sort of have to kick the can down the road a bit. With Diggs, that one I feel like is certain in that he probably wants more than you're going to be willing to give him, right? I would love to keep him around. I think he's been really good here, but I think he's going to be asking for bigger money. With Jamal Adams, I think that one is probably the the one that you know what needs to be done, and it feels like things are making progress. So I guess as far as certain, I feel like I know with Quandre Diggs what's going to happen. With Jamal, I just don't know the number. And with Dwayne Brown, I got to see what happens this coming season. Uh, Danny, you had mentioned earlier uh, before we moved into Blue 42 when it comes to Dwayne Brown why this year isn't necessarily different than 2017 when it comes to Brown because I felt like he had a lot more leverage in 2017 than he does now you can't hold out or you can hold out but the $50,000 a day in fines now the teams can't waive it and that used to be what would happen you get to a point the team would say okay you've made your point it's now getting to the time where if it goes beyond this, we're, actually, we're not going to forgive the fines. You're, you're going to have to pay that money. Now you don't even have that option. Dudes are going to hold in. And, and watch for it. I, Jamal Adams is going to be doing it. Dwayne Brown might be doing it today. Dudes that are there and not practicing. I'm here. You can't find me. I'm not doing it, though. I mean, whether it's an injury or I'm just not ready, I think you're, I think you're still going to see people be able to put pressure on teams by... Instead of holding out, they're going to hold in. And teams are going to go like, okay, if we just keep, keep quiet, if we just stay quiet, they'll eventually they'll eventually bend. How far are we off from a guy saying, I'm not ready to play? Ultimately, it's his body, his choice. If he's there and he tells you he's not healthy to play, you can't make him play football. I guess you can. Did the Jets try to do that? They tried to do that with an offensive lineman. Was it Osamili? Where they were like, he was like, I need to get surgery on my shoulder. And they're like, we, we don't agree with that assessment. And everybody flipped out on the Jets. Like everybody. And the Jets the Jets deserve every bit of that score. So that's why I would say I think I think players will still be able to put pressure by holding in. I'm just I'm really trying to make hold a hold ins happen. Have I successfully sold this terminology? <laughs> I'm with it. Hold in. Show up. Yeah. You're there. I'm on the sideline. I'm not practicing. That's how you keep your leverage as a player, honestly. That's how you try to keep everyone happy. And then organ- organizations, they're they're going to try to dance around it and not talk about it, too. You know, like it's not really happening. But, yeah, hold in. I like it, Danny. If there ever was a guy to hold in, Deshaun Watson should be doing it right now. And he's on the field actually practicing, which is just so strange. I mean, what what's the point at this point, especially if they think they're going to get him out of town? Anyway, question number three. Bump, yesterday I saw uh, – Jake Heaps tweet this. I think this was actually on Monday. And I think it's a bit of an overreaction. He said, quote, It'll be incredibly disappointing if the Seahawks cannot get Jamal Adams' contract extended by day one of training camp. Adams having to miss a big chunk of practice student negotiations would be incredibly frustrating. And Jake, I think, is referring here to Adams not potentially being on the field. And he went on to say, All right, well, this might disrupt chemistry that he might build with the defense. I I don't agree. And I base this mainly off of just my observations of a lot of guys in training camp who don't practice. I feel like there's probably a line certain players who probably need to be out there at training camp and other players who don't and it varies person to person but I could be wrong here you're the player how many players actually need to be out on the field for training camp 
if you are an all pro, you are a pro bowler, you don't need to be out there, honestly. I mean, as long as you have taken care of your body during the offseason, you've been training, you've been working out, eating good, which I assume Jamal Adams has been doing that because he's a professional. He's good to go, man. Now, a dude like Freddie Swain and John Rasua, guys who are like fighting to get on this roster or stay on this roster, they need to be out there every single day to get these rests. There's just levels to stuff, man. There are guys, you know, there are guys like, uh, I think, Danny, we talked about this before, Julian Peterson. This dude used to eat McDonald's every single day, and it was still ripped. Ugh. If I ate McDonald's every day, I would I I wouldn't I would have made it in the Super NFL as long as bump. I made it. it. It's just different. So there's there's levels to this. Jamal Adams, man, all you need to do is show up, make sure you're getting mental reps, coach these guys up, and you'll be fine. I don't think he needs to be out there, and I, and I don't think it's going to cause any type of issues because everyone understands who he is. It's not like he's a quarterback. Now, quarterbacks, they have to be out there. You're building chemistry. You're getting to know, know this new offense if you're Russell Wilson. But defensively, man, cover three is cover three. Cover two is cover two. Uh, you're going to call send me on a blitz? You'll send me on a blitz. It's, and it's Jamal Adams. He's all pro. He's good. Bomani Jones and Dominique Foxworth on their podcast. on the uh, It's Fridays with Foxworth, Bomani Jones podcast. On Fridays, they were talking about Julius Peppers, kind of as one of those big guys that wasn't built like a big guy. Had a V cut, like a narrow waist. Ju- Julian Peterson was exactly the same way, and that yeah. dude ate garbage. I asked him one morning, like, "Okay, Julian, what did you eat this morning?" It was a box of cinnamon toast crunch. It was a maple bar. Then he had some bacon, and he was going to go get Wendy's Baconator for lunch. <laughs> and that dude was two hundred and seventy-five pounds with a V cut, and had like seven percent body fat. It was Crazy. wild. Just wild. And people will tell me, like, when they're like, all these football players are on PEDs. I'm like, no. No, they're not. Some of those dudes are just built differently. Like, some of them have a metabolism that functions like a garbage disposal. Like, that is that is just... I, Julian Peterson, when he was a kid, he said his mom used to open up a can of SpaghettiOs and give that to him as a baby. He's sitting in his high chair. He's just eating SpaghettiOs out of the can. He's just built different. Genetics. Oh, can you imagine that? To be able to eat bacon nonstop at just 275 pounds and built like that. He played all, I think he played all 11 positions in a game. I know that he played defensive line, he played corner, he played linebacker, and he's played safety. It's just wild. Genetics or no genetics? No, you got to be feeling that in some way, right? You got to have some, you got to have some stomach issues, some tummy aches from time to time. I'm telling you, Paul, like, no, that dude was just built different. He had a cast iron constitution. Good for him. That is Blue 42. And again, our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. We'd like to go back to the Mariners trade. Kendall Graveman talked to reporters afterwards, and he's probably the guy. I mean, long term, he might have been helped the most. But in the short term, he feels the worst because he's been a huge part of this Mariners rebuild process and putting guys in positions where you've seen this team turn the corner this year where they're nine games above 500. Then he finds out that he gets dealt to the team he just pitched against. And while the Astros are in first place in the division, he kind of feels like, what What did I do it for? Here was Kendall Graveman talking about his emotions after learning of the trade. For me, I told the guys over there, I feel like I'm a builder at nature. Um, whether, not even in the game of baseball, just anything. I like to build something from the ground up and see it flourish. And I think that... Um, I've invested a lot of time over the year and a half uh, to help Seattle get back to winning baseball in the atmosphere that was here the last five days. 
So in that aspect, it is a little bit, it's tough. Um, the relationships that were built um, to leave clubhouse staff and officers that I know in the bullpen. Um, that's, that's tough. From a player perspective, Bump, do front offices underestimate the importance of chemistry within a locker room or the feelings that guys sort of build the camaraderie that they develop on a roster? They do because they're not in the locker room. and They, they might walk through there and say hello to a couple guys and, and make their presence felt. But end of the day, man, the locker room is a special place, man. There's a lot of laughing, joking going on. You're getting to know guys. I mean, if you have a great locker room, you enjoy coming to work every day, and you're going to perform at a higher level. That's just how it is. And that's what we were seeing with the Mariners, man. That's what we keep hearing about that locker room. It was just so great. So, um, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate situation for Kendall, man, because he you hear you hear it in his voice. Like he was, mm-hmm. he took pride in helping the M's be relevant. And now you ship them off to the Astros. But I tell you one thing, man: if he wins a World Series, he ain't gonna be tripping anymore, though. I mean, he is going to a good ball club. But there's a human aspect that you hear in his voice that he's going to miss his boys. Is one of the human aspects too maybe about the the frustration the Mariners are going through right now? For it shouldn't be this way, probably just because for from a from a just front office perspective, you want to get the best trade that you possibly can. But I imagine a lot of players right now are like, "Wait, really? He's going to he's going to this team." This team of all teams, the team that's in our division, the team that has given us the most issues over all the years, you're making that team better at our expense in the short term. Yeah, and anyone but the Astros, right? If it, if it were anyone else, you're going to have this feeling that this locker room has right now of just frustration and being sad. They're losing their boy. But then you ship them off to the Astros, the guys who cheat. The, the guys, they're a good ball club right now. They're playing well. We just played them. It It's... It was sloppy, man. Like of all teams, I understand maybe uh, there's a method to their madness. They have reasons for doing what they did, but the timing of it is what really makes this thing a little cloudy. The timing is couldn't be tougher. After that game with this team in town, yeah. I don't think that's a reason not to do a trade. It doesn't bother me that they traded him to the Astros. I actually think that shows sound process because you're not. Look, nobody wants to hear this. You're not competing with the Astros this year. I agree that. That that's that's not who you're competing with this year, and he's not signed beyond this season. And you got a guy that might be pretty good for you, or might be a valuable trade chip from them. They hurt the Astros hurt themselves in 2022, 2023, and 2024 because of this trade. They're, they're doing it for right now, and you're not competing with them this year. That is true, but if you're a player, are you looking at it rationally? And and that's the problem because from the front office perspective, I think a lot of us take that on, and I think a lot of fans take that on too. Although maybe not. Maybe not the fans texting it down because of the specific team involved here. It's interesting. I I feel like because of who they are making this trade with, it makes it a little bit worse for those guys in the clubhouse. Danny, that's a great point. You're not competing with the Astros right now, and it shows a sound process because as leaders, you have to make tough decisions, decisions that you think are going to help your organization grow, and that's what they did. And this is this was probably in their sights for a while now. It's not like they woke up and say, all right, we're going to send Graven over to, to the Astros and, and we're going to grab Toro and Smith. No, that's they already had this thing lined up. So there's two ways you can look at it. You can be emotional. That's the player side because you lost your boy. But as a leader in an organization, yeah, that's a good point, man. It just shows that they have a way of doing things. And they're going to stick to it no matter what. They knew this was going to get Seattle riled up. They knew it, but they said, look, this was best for the team, so we're going to do it. If they could have waited 24 hours, they would have. 
if if they if they could have waited until it's not in the afterglow of that comeback, they 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 would have. I I, I get all of that. Can they? rebuild and I don't want to say rebuild trust in the clubhouse because I think that that guys are going to feel the way that they feel if if they don't make additional moves that help this year's team that help this team compete for a playoff spot every guy that's in that clubhouse has the right to feel that they were kind of had the rug yanked out from under them a little bit and that they they were they were sold out on behalf of the future is there anything if the team makes a trade, if they're one of these guys that's making a push for Max Scherzer, or they acquire a clear-cut difference maker that's designed to help them this year, will that repair? Will guys go? Will guys get over this quicker based on based on what else the Mariners do? Yeah, time time heals all. They're gonna get over this. Um, but if you do make a move or the guys kind of agree with and then and Danny and, and Paul, you guys, you guys fill me in. What do you think? Do you think that the organization goes to guys like Mitch Hanniger and, and no. Marco and say, look, hey, this this is what we're doing. Do they treat these guys like quarterbacks or they're kind of in baseball? It's just, you know what? Hey, we're making moves. Deal with it. It's widgets. I mean, that's and nobody wants to. But in baseball, it is much more. And especially I don't. Jerry Depoto is a former player. He knows the importance of clubhouse and those sort of things. But when he's get popularity is not going to be the main criteria he makes. He takes into consideration when making a move. Nor should it be. No, I've, he knew how they were going to feel about this, and he's like, "Yeah, I still believe in this in in this move anyway." Now he might underestimate the impact in the clubhouse, or he might underestimate the value of the return. But he's not caught off guard by how mad guys are. And I don't know that that should be his job. I mean, I understand. And he's brought it up in this article in the Seattle Times. And Ryan Divish, we're going to talk to him at 9 o'clock about all of those upset players in the clubhouse. But isn't it your job as a player to get over it? Isn't it your job? I mean, it's tough and it sort of dehumanizes. But at the same time, you know, you got to show up for work the next day. These things happen in every single industry. These things happen in baseball and, and sports probably the most. I mean, Bump, I'm sure there are some guys that were in the locker room one day that you were friends with, and all of a sudden they're gone. Yep. It's business, baby. They'll be all right. They'll get over it. Tyler Lockett, Seahawks wide receiver. He joins us next as we begin our training camp coverage, the training camp coverage here at 710 ESPN Seattle, brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. Seahawks receiver joins us next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. It is Danny Gallant. Seahawks training camp begins today with the first practice. Our coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And joining us now is Tyler Lockett, Seahawks receiver. He's here on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. First of all, Tyler, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. How's everything going with you? I I think we're all very excited. We've got a, a Mariners team that is has played its way into contention. We've got a Seahawks team that's a perennial playoff contender that's getting set to open. It feels like the first day of school. What does it feel like out there at Seahawks headquarters? Oh well, I mean, it just felt good being able to get back, being able to see a lot of the guys again, uh, and just being able to get ready to go. I mean, obviously, it's been a long six months, seven months, and so now. We can finally put everything together. We've been learning the offense. We've been trying to get adjusted, just figure out how we can all do our part in being able to make everything as efficient as could be. So today's the first day. 
we're all excited, Tyler, to see this new Shane Waldron offense, and we have heard all of the buzzwords to describe it. I, I wrote them down because I'm that guy. Intricate, creative, innovative, exotic, super complex, smart, brilliant. Now, you might have another buzzword because you want to keep things close to the vest, but I would like to know the coolest new feature of this offense. Uh, Well, I mean, it's kind of like I said before, the, the new feature of it and what makes it so cool is just the fact that, you know, I think it gives a lot more of the skilled position freedom to be able to play their type of game, whether it's running backs, whether it's tight ends, receivers. I think it just makes it easier on everybody as a whole, even as a, even on our line. So I think the more and more that we understand the complicated offense, like, you know, it's really complex. And so the more information that we can really learn and understand how everything is very thorough, I think it'll be able to help us move in the way that we want to be able to move. Hey, Tyler, you mentioned obviously you have a new offense with Shane Waldron. Is it difficult for you to, to try to learn a new offense? This is probably what your third offense when it comes to terminology. How difficult is it to pick up the playbook? Uh, well, I mean, it's not as difficult. Um, we didn't really change as much um, last time. So we kept a lot of the same similar stuff. So now um, we had a huge change. And so now just learning the information and all that type of stuff, I mean, it's going to be different, but at the same time, sometimes you need just to learn new information, understand how it can help you as a player when it comes to football. So for me, I get to see different features of uh, things that I used to be able to do in the past. We're talking to Tyler Lockett here, and I think that's an important note that you mentioned, Tyler, that while while the team has changed offensive coordinators before, this is much more of a, a change of, of system, and you're, you're seeing something significantly different put in place. Does that create a possibility for growth among veterans like you and Russell? You guys have played together for a number of years. Chris Carson has been there for some time. Is, is there is there can you unlock p- potential with this with this switch? Yeah, I definitely think you can. And, you know, the reason why I say that is because the biggest thing that players have to learn how to do when coming from college to the league or even from other teams is they have to learn how to adjust. And I had to learn that when I was training, just trying to get ready for the NFL draft because the way that I ran routes in college, the way that my coach taught me, it's like then all of a sudden you get to – training and they're teaching you how to run routes in a different way teaching you how to do speed outs you know my coaches were different in college so now all of a sudden you come to the league and you don't know who's going to teach you what what type of receiver coach is going to be what their philosophy is so a lot of times you adjust your game to be able to fit the team and it doesn't so much say it fits you as the player but you just learn how to adjust because that's your job I think that's what a lot of players do on every position. And so with the offense being able to bring us freedom, I think that it will help a lot of people out who like to play and have freedom in the things that they choose to do. Some players might feel better at being able to be given rules and roles so that way they could be able to just focus on that. And other players, they just want to go out there and just be able to play free and not have to worry about, oh, I missed an assignment, or, oh, I should have did it on this route. They give you the freedom to make any type of route that you want as long as you get to your spot around a certain type of time. Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett with us on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. 
You were protecting the team last week, and look, I, I get it. The NFL offseason, it is kind of a big soap opera, especially for us, a soap opera for guys. Uh, so we're looking to discuss whatever we can over the course of the offseason. But when it comes to Russell Wilson, did you at least find it strange that through his agent there was a list of teams that he would be okay being traded to if he were to actually be traded? I found it strange at least. Uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, all this stuff is a business. And so, you know, for us players, when we come from college to the NFL, we choose our agents because our agents speak on our behalf. And so, you know, for us, it's all about just being able to focus and play football. It's not about being able to get caught up in the business world. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. so when you have somebody that's going to be able to go to bat for you, you know, that's what they're paid to do. That's their job. You know, so I think a lot of people just want us as players to be able to put ourselves out there and to say whatever they want us to really say. But, you know, for us, that's not our position. You know, you don't really see a lot of players out there trying to get their own marketing deals like that. You got a marketing team that goes out there and that speaks for people on your behalf. You know, sure, as a player, you speak your mind as well, but – you have people that, you know, work for you that are in those agencies or marketing firms or whatever or PRs that's going to go out there and be able to, you know, to speak on your behalf so that you don't have to put yourself out there. That's what a, a lot of our players do in the NFL or any type of sport or entertainment. Tyler, you're a you're a humble dude, but there's no denying you and DK are one of the best duos in all of football. How often do you guys talk about this, and what's what's next for you guys? How do you guys continue to improve as one of the best duos in the league? Uh, you know, we just continue to climb, continue to make sure that we're doing our part. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is we understand that at the end of the day, we have to be able to be great at whatever it is that they have us do day in and day out going into each game each week. So, uh, you know, for us, we don't try to get so caught up in being the best duo, you know, that was probably something we talked about a while ago. And just being able to play together, we're like at a place now where we're just trying to continue to grow and just see how great we could be. Is he faster than you? Uh oh. Dang it, Danny. You what ran him off. Danny? Seriously, <laughs> it's possible that that just that, that just unplugged everything. I do love the way that those two guys complement and play off of each other. I I do, Tyler. I I, I worried that maybe I maybe I offended you when I asked if DK is faster than you. Oh no, you didn't offend me. I mean, you know, as I get older, you know, I'm almost thirty. 28 so speed kind of goes down <laughs> oh oh you could still get him I, I i i i i'm not sure i'm not sure if i would i would list you as the favorite but i, I i'm not asking you to concede anything you're you're, you're you still got the quicks oh uh, yeah now i retired from racing when i was in college <laughs> <laughs> what was the last foot race you had um uh, we actually did this it was a guy on our team that they kept comparing me to. And so when we did this relay, you know, I raced them my freshman year in college. So then my senior year, I think, or my junior year, they put me in a relay against them. 
where we had to go 50 yards and back, and everybody was excited because we were the last leg. And so I had ran, and, you know, boom, we touched at the same time. And when we came back, I beat them by 10 yards. Nice. And they, after that moment, I was telling everybody, don't ever compare me to nobody. <laughs> don't you ever talk about the best. <laughs> he That's left. Great. Tyler leaves on a high note. That's the way you do it. Yeah, well, I mean, even in college, I was at that place where, you know, college, you know, the strength and conditioning staff and stuff, they just try to find stuff to get you going. And for me, I was like, man, I ain't worried about nobody. I'm just trying to be out here and do me. And I don't know if they really like that because they was like, dang, we can't compare, we can't get him going because I was like, I'm the only one that could get me going. So it, now when you start hearing people say, be your best you and compete against yourself, then it starts making more sense. But that's kind of how I was at first. Tyler, I have a question because one of my favorite things about every single NFL training camp is seeing the new haircuts that rookies all of a sudden have. And I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but – is new wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge someone that we could expect to see with an interesting haircut in the next couple of days? Oh, I doubt it. I don't know if we're going to end up cutting his hair. I couldn't tell you the last time we even cut somebody's hair. I think the last time we cut somebody's hair was probably in college. Hey, Tyler, how excited are you to get the 12s back in Lumen? Oh, I'm very excited. The fact that we – seeing what it was like to just not play without fans. I mean, it makes it even worthwhile just to have fans back in there just to be going crazy. Like, I mean, like I said, it's always like a concert when you go in there. So just being able to have them back, it makes it more energetic, like all the things. He is Tyler Lockett. Tyler, we're really excited to be back in the stadium this year to be able to watch you. I know that I know that the whole city is pumped, and we're excited to see how this season progresses. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Tyler. No problem. Thanks for having me. That is Tyler Lockett, who joins us there on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. It's Danny and Gallant. We've got Michael Bumpus, who is with us here for another segment, and then we'll be talking to Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. Jason Stark reporting that teams are talking to the Mariners, say they're now much more in buy than sell mode, trying to add starters, relievers, and an impact bat, saying no on moving Mitch Hanniger and no interest in flipping Abraham Toro, who just arrived yesterday. Fascinating team to watch in the next two days. That's Jason Stark from The Athletic. What else can we expect from the Mariners? And also, Jared Kelnick, do we see the product of pressure here? That's next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Michael Bump is hanging out with us as well. I know that for the most part, those listening and probably those at the Mariners Clubhouse are feeling down after the Kendall Graveman trade yesterday, even if Abraham Toro hit a home run in his first at-bat for the Seattle Mariners. I get it, but I think it is interesting to note from Jason Stark of The Athletic, who tweeted out, teams talking to the Mariners say they're now much more in buy than sell mode, trying to add starters, relievers, and an impact bat. They are saying no on moving Mitch Hanniger. And they have shown no interest in flipping Abraham Toro, who just arrived yesterday. Obviously a fascinating team to watch in these next two days. The thing that I am focusing on here, most guys, is that Mitch Hanniger is going to stay. And I would say right now, probably 
Haniger is at a, the most high as far as his value goes as he ever will be for the Mariners to potentially trade him. There's a year left of team control after this season. He is on fire at the plate right now, and they are going to stick with him. And while this isn't maybe the same as keeping Kendall Graveman, I do think that that is encouraging for this team and what the front office is trying to do as we have about 48 hours plus until the trade deadline on Friday. Yeah, <clears throat> Mitch, I mean, he's – I was this, this was the big question, right? What are they going to do with Mitch Hanniger? How do they see him? How do they value him? So him not being moved just lets you know that he's a, he's a centerpiece in this, in this team. In the locker room, he's a leader. He's an older guy. He's performing well. Um, I was one of the guys on the, on the bad wagon to where we wanted, I wanted to keep Mitch. I think Mitch is an important part of this team, but because he's worth so much, like you mentioned, Paul, his value's up right now. It would make sense for them to move him. Um, I like that they didn't get rid of him. I think any move they would have made, would we really be happy, you know, unless unless they went and got a a superstar pitcher for Mitch or all right, whatever move they would have made, I don't think the M's, excuse me, the Mariners fans would have been, oh, yeah, that's, that's a great move. You know, I, I think that they were just in a tough spot no matter what. I'm just happy they kept Mitch. If they had traded Mitch, that would have been a full-on punt, right? That yeah. would have said, Th- thanks yeah. for the effort this year. We're focused on the next three or four years. The, the question with the deal for Graveman is not – is not really about, hey, does this mean they're they're giving up on this season? Because Jerry said right away, hey, we've got other deals coming. The, 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 question, the question about trading Graveman specifically is whether or not Seattle is underestimating his value to this clubhouse, his value beyond on the baseball field. The trade for Toro makes sense. Like it, it makes baseball sense. It's just dicey with the chemistry. And so the question I would ask is, if Seattle, if Seattle, when it gets to the end of the trade deadline, has helped and improved its team for 2021, if their if their chances on July 31st are better than they were the previous Saturday, are most people going to say? Are players going to say, "Hey, we feel good about that"? This team, that that front office helped our chances to get through the playoffs, even though they traded Graveman, who we don't like it. Or are they going to be Graveman was too important to what we do, and it doesn't matter if there's a net gain in baseball productivity over the last week. Graveman was was psychologically such a, an important part because right now I think most people are reacting to this is a short-term loss in baseball ability. I fully think that the front office can make that up over the next couple deals. The question I have, and it's a valid question, is was Graveman more valuable to this team than the front office realized? It does feel like that's a possibility. And I would imagine that morale for a baseball clubhouse matters more than it does in other sports do you think so because here's the one thing because i i brought this up. i was writing about uh analytics i was covering the nba and i was writing about like the use of analytics and, and statistics and tendencies in basketball and the assistant coach said to me yeah you know why that doesn't matter as much in basketball because the point, because in baseball you never have the shortstop deciding he's not going to throw to the first baseman because he doesn't like him that happens all the time in basketball. That happens all the time. We're like, I'm not giving that guy the ball because he doesn't pass it back. Like you don't, you don't have that. Baseball is a team sport, but it's largely individual. It is, but you are living together essentially for 162 yeah. games. It's it's slightly different, you know. And I, I think we, there have been teams in the past 
described in baseball as 25 players, yep. 25 cabs. Correct. And those teams don't necessarily meet their uh, potential. Yeah, it's it's the time. The time spent, right? These guys mm-hmm. spend more time with their team than their families. So I, I think the, the psychological part is, is huge. But in the, the day... Baseball is the most individual team sport out there. It's, yes. it's you, it's you in the, it's you in the, in, in the pitcher. You know, you're, you make a play. Like, you know, I, and I played baseball in high school. I didn't really dive into it the way I, you know, most of these guys do, but there are plays that you make in this situation. We're going here. We're going there. You know, everything's kind of written out for you already. So chemistry, I think only really matters in the dugout. When you're out on the field, I mean, you're going to two. You're going to one. There's things that, that happens naturally. Hopefully no one's at the plate and they're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to miss Kendall when they're at bat or when they're pitching. And I, I don't think that's necessarily something that happens. But I can understand how maybe the morale, the attitude in the dugout, as you mentioned, Bump, could be down for a while. Can, can you play football? Can you play football with someone you hate? Can you be teammates? Not oh, on yeah. offense, like together with offense, like an yes. offensive dude that you do not like. You, Most and definitely. you can be you really done it every year. I play football every year. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> what positions did they play generally? Uh, I played with some receivers I didn't like. I played with some DBs I didn't like. I played with some linemen I didn't like. I mean, and I'm sure dudes didn't like me neither. It's just. It's the nature of the beast, but every single year I played football, there was somebody I didn't like, for sure. <laughs> Michael Bumpus, very friendly, but not necessarily I can't to somebody. I can't imagine somebody not liking Bump. I Legitimately. I, if, if someone told me, like, I don't like Michael Bumpus, my reaction is I, prob- I probably don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, fellas. That is Michael Bumpus. We like him very much. Right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Bump, we'll talk to you again on Friday. Training camp, it's about to kick off today. All right, guys, have a good one. Michael Bumpus, everyone, and he joins us in the 8 o'clock hour on Wednesdays and on Fridays. It's Danny Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. Ryan Divish put together a bombshell report about how the clubhouse of the Mariners is feeling after the Kendall Graveman trade with some words thrown around like betrayal. We'll try to get more details on that next with Divish. Don't go anywhere. It's Danny and Gallant.